Greetings, loyal listeners, and welcome to the Return to Gilead Sunday special. I am your shell-shocked host, Michael LaFaver. And I'm your spoiled host, Ryan Matlock. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> what? Spoilers. Full spoilers for episode four. Sam killed their father? Yes. What? <laughs> okay. I am more surprised by that than the fact that I literally predicted everything except that the owner was the actual owner. Like, that's... Yeah. Wow. Okay. First off, can I pat myself on the back for predicting the whole, like, mystery from episode one? Am I allowed to do that? You may. Okay. There, I pat myself on the back. Um, do, you I, feel be- do you feel better? I feel better. I feel a lot better. Good. Also, this is great. This is a really good episode. I'm a big yeah. fan. You know, actually, I am too. I Like, this one was really good. There's no huge theological thing to debate in this episode, so, you know, we're fine, right? Well, actually, I'm kidding. Oh, no. gosh, okay. <laughs> anyway, so at first, I was like, what is going on? Why are we just going back to the hometown and dealing with these issues? And I'm like, oh, no, this is genius because we're tying up loose ends from the beginning of the series that didn't exactly make sense before. I think they should have been set up a little bit better, but now... There's a couple points, like everything that was set up in episode one is kind of resolved now. Boo is no longer a threat. Haley is has a deeper connection with Ashley because Ashley was able to talk about what happened. We get the payoff from that. I'm not sure what the thematic consistency is there. Maybe trusting God in the midst of chaos, but also there's some stuff with Ashley. I'm not sure how that ties in exactly, but also the whole mystery is done. And I thought, oh, the only thing that would be a problem is if they go back to get the camera, but then... Once Catherine finds the camera in the clothes, I'm like, oh, no, he's coming. And the point when they're facing off against Boo and Boo says, there's somebody coming up. Did you get somebody? Did you, did you get a teacher or something? Like, that's the deputy. And then he follows them on the ATVs back home. That's how he followed them. He found them there. It's brilliant. It's so good. And then the line from the, the last episode, I think I picked up on this. I might have mentioned this. I can just either cut it from the review or just not had time to say it. But when Ashley says, next time anyone breaks in like that, we dial 911. I thought, and that just seems like a prescriptive line for, or something for the audience to be like, okay, kids, whenever anyone does this. And it was because Dylan calls 911. My man. <laughs> I love Dylan in this episode. Dylan is great. I don't think there's any problem with Dylan here. Would you agree with that? Uh... Is he still annoying? Do you think he's annoying? He's not still annoying. This is just coming because I've heard the other version and it's a little different. But otherwise, like for this episode, yeah, he's fine. Well, unfortunately, here's the my one regret about this review right now. I'm at home. Did you not bring the I CD didn't set? Bring the, I didn't bring Oasis with me, so I can't unwrap <laughs> you it don't right now. have the CD set? Yeah, so I'm still going to record me unwrapping it. It'll just be like a bonus at the beginning of the next week's Sunday special. So, um, yeah, I can't have the satisfaction of doing that, but also I'm pretty satisfied here. I don't really know what to say else off the top here. This was great. I loved this. Big fan. Yep. Well, that's our review. Thanks. No. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, my review, like, I kind of, I feel weird. I don't know whether... To keep going like, oh, well, Oasis what about the better. Oasis version? Feel free. You're fine. Go for I, it. I, it's, it is how I'm viewing this whole mm-hmm. series because okay. it would be like if you listen to someone recreate an Odyssey episode, but they they didn't want to look like they were completely ripping off Odyssey. And so they changed a few things and you were like, 
you change those things? Yeah. This episode, I think, of the four is the strongest as far as kind of standing on its own two feet. A lot of the scenes are very similar to the other episode. I think towards the end, there's a lot less personal narration from Bryce and Ashley concerning their day-to-day. Like A lot more of it is just scenes of things happening, which is what is going on here. And a lot of that is very similar in this episode. The scenes are very close. The The tension and music and everything all kind of follows similarly. I feel like the scene at the end when the guy breaks in is maybe done a bit better in the Oasis version. It's a bit more intense and it flows a bit better because there is... Actually, I'm not sure if I remember. I feel like I remember there being a little bit of narration to kind of show what's going through their heads while it uh, is going down. Well, furthermore, there is a bit of the acting issue throughout this episode that certain certain points don't stick. I think Duncan is still very weak as he's directed. And Ashley, in that break-in scene, kind of acts scared at the beginning and is doing a job and then just completely drops it once... Yeah, she like the line that sticks out in my head is she's like, okay, he's too smart for us. Just give him the stuff. Give it to him, Bryce. He's too smart for us. How did you track us here anyway? Did you follow us? Uh, That seemed like really scripted sort of sounding, you know? There's just a few things there. Another thing is in the Oasis version, you'll hear this later. Do you want me to say what happens in the Oasis version or do you want me to keep it? So next week's is going to be an overview of the book. And the Oasis version. If you can commit to that, mm-hmm. Ryan, uh, doing that. Uh, yes, actually, because I am on break, so Yay. I can go ahead and quick read through and listen to the. All right. That. Well, feel free in this to compare it just based on what we've heard so far, because that'll sure. be a good balance for this review. I'll I can talk about the overall thematic points of this yeah. and things I liked, and you can compare them and make me even more excited to listen to the Oasis version. Yeah. So a really cool thing about this scene at where the guy breaks in is that. Dylan does not actually call the cops, I don't think. What happens is, I think, if I remember correctly, Bryce calls them. And keeps the phone on? Then keeps the phone on, or the call goes through anyway, and so the police show up anyway. Okay, so is there the line in the last episode about next time anyone breaks in, we dial 911? Is that line just not there? No, pretty sure there is not. Yeah, okay. I thought that was a fun payoff for this version, though. Yeah, it was an okay payoff, uh, like, uh, from an episodic standpoint. Yeah, and something I totally should have been able to predict. Yeah, so the thing is, Dylan doesn't call them, but he is also there basically the whole time. Sure. So when they break in, he's kind of making noises. He's like, no, what are you doing? Why are you here? But also, there's this cute line where he's not shouting from, like, the top of the stairs or anything. He's with them and, like, being put in the pantry. And the guy's like, shut up. Get in the pantry. And he's like, you're not supposed to say shut up. Mom (laughs) says it's bad. (laughs) And he's just kind of muttering it under his breath. And his mom's like, Dylan, be quiet. (laughs) That sounds great. Yeah. Especially really what good. we've seen from Dylan so far in the Oasis. Yeah, because in, in the Oasis version, Dylan is not really, uh, the way I would characterize him, he's not whiny, he's precocious. Mm, I like that. Okay. So aside from all that, like the scene was, it was interesting. They focused more heavily on Boo Heckler slapping 
uh, Bryce. Yeah, they really called attention this, to that. They they like they like said it three or four times. He slapped him um, like a little girl. Just he, that little. Like thing. a little I mean, girl. He's still stung my <laughs> cheek, but it, it, it was like he didn't even want to fight me. Yeah, we we get it, Bryce. We get the idea. He he slapped you. That's. It was a lot subtler in the other version. See, I, was thinking, and... I was thinking it was going to go in this one. You slapped me. You you actually want to fight me. And then Bryce just decks him, picks him up like a volleyball, <laughs> spikes him into the ATV. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like in the Oasis version, they made the scenes with Boo a lot more foreboding. Whenever Boo was brought up, either through the narration of Dylan's inner monologue about Boo or just the music, like Boo walks in the room and it's just like, kind of like Darth Vader sort of thing, you know? So I think that was handled a little bit better because it gave the tonal consistency of this looming bully threat that made him ominous. In this, it sort of just kind of seemed like he was a, nu- a nuisance, you know? Yeah. Although, is the way that the conflict is handled the same in the other version where Bryce... It has a very clear pattern of just, okay, let's handle this the smart way. Just go to the authorities, tell them everything we know, and then confront him like the, the way that that's appropriate. Like, just say, hey, that's our ATVs. We can't let you have them. Please leave. Is that the way he handles it in the other version? The issue in the other version, Dylan wants to handle it himself. Dylan? He doesn't want to, like, bring it to authorities or anyone else. He kind of doesn't want to bother other people. Because he sort of sees it as something that he needs to handle himself because it's his personal issue. But also he deals with, I I don't want to say he's cowardly because that's not quite right. In this version and in the other version, there's uh, small mentions made to how he stutters. Yeah, in those situations, and ha- no, he and doesn't like, stutter some... as much in this one. In the, in the finale, yeah, he does not. I forgot he that he, I forgot in... that stuttering is the thing that he does. Okay. Yeah, in the other version and in the books, it's very prominently explained that he stutters when he's under pressure. Hmm. Um, that's a very clear characterization of who Bryce is and what he does in those situations. And that was clear from the, the so... previous episodes of this version as yeah. well. Right. And so in this, he in the Oasis version, he's stuttering a ton at the beginning of the confrontation, but oh. he's kind of trying to put his face best face forward. And then when Boo slaps him, he kind of has that realization, like in this, that like, oh, you haven't been in a fight before and you're just trying to scare me. And I think that gives him a little bit of confidence where he's like, no, no, I am going to stand up to you now without stuttering, without being concerned, mm-hmm. just because... I know that you're not, you're just putting on a show, but it's, he doesn't like make fun of Boo a ton for it. He calls him out on the fact that he is just kind of playing a big show to try to get people to do things, but he's not like, you slapped me, you slapped me, you slapped me, you baby. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he says it necessarily in that scene, right? No, no, he says it to he his mom, but yeah, yeah. like it's it's just sort of he doesn't have that attitude at all in any of the scenes in Oasis. It's more just so a, it's oh, it's just new. okay. That was interesting in the Oasis version. Not yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it. I was overthinking him the whole time. It's nothing. It's it's just the feeling. Yeah. That in the in this version. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And the the whole Ashley thing or Ashley and Haley thing is that handled similarly in Oasis. The scenes are very close. Yes. Actually, I thought it, I thought it was interesting in this one. There's the scene where. 
I think we're getting building tension of, oh, no, this is getting more complicated. And Haley says, yeah, my mom doesn't want you to come over anymore because you weren't really supposed to be over here. And also, she wasn't really happy about us watching the movie. So I was wondering, could you tell her that it was your idea? And I'm like, oh, that makes things more complicated. Next scene. Yeah, I shouldn't have asked you that. Like, <laughs> Okay, well, you deflated tension immediately there. All right. I feel like that's not <laughs> yeah, how you're supposed to structure an audio drama, but that's just me. Yeah, I think in the other version, there is actually a scene of them taking the cats in between. Oh, Oh, yeah, because we don't actually get to see that. I guess that did happen no. somewhere in this episode. And that's oh, a man. huge thing in the books. All like that they, build they went, up for nothing. Whenever they talk about the cats, there are there are like, what? There's a cat. There's a cat. There's yeah. a cat. <laughs> <laughs> it comes full circle all the way in the future. <laughs> when Duncan says, we have to put our pencils down at the same time or they torture small animals. Yeah, that's why they call it the cats. All of them are yeah, just exactly. All, it, it, so it turns out the cat's test was actually made by Brad Smith. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same universe, apparently. It is, isn't it? Unless the portal that Zach walked through was a multiversal portal. And it was a just, Doctor Strange portal. And it's just that in this alternate universe, Red Rock exists in the same physical location as Gilead. <laughs> So that's why he was just swapping universes. Anyway, continue about the in the other stuff. in the alternative universe, the Rockies are actually on the eastern side of the com- country. Hey, <laughs> in no, Michigan, but they call it Colorado. It's just invert image of the Earth. Exactly. <laughs> or what is it? I don't know. Like the flip horizontal of the Earth, or whatever. right? Flip horizontal. Okay, continue. Cats test. Uh, but yeah, so the cats are actually a thing, and I think there is a scene in the Oasis version where they have, like, a person... It's either the, in the Oasis version or in the books or both, but there's, like, a TV that comes on, and it has, like, videos of cats and a lady going, like, cats stand for blah, 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 C-A-T, cats! The fitness grand pacer test is a multi-stage... Exactly. <laughs> so... You got detention. You messed up. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is with um, Ashley's conversation, I feel like that was ha- it was acted a bit better in the other one because uh, just because I, I think the other actors were better at what they did. Yeah, perhaps or, or directed. You could say it. you could objectively say that. I think also the way the, the lines were kind of either written or acted, it's less of an instant deflation of tension. In fact, I think if I remember correctly, I, I see this is where I really wish I'd listened to Oasis somewhere <laughs> within these reviews so that I could say, yes, I know Don't this worry, absolutely we will. for a sec. We'll do a side by side comparison next week. It'll be awesome. Will I have time yes. to edit it? I don't know, but I'll I'll try. <laughs> this scene in particular, I feel like they didn't split it in half and make it so that there's this oh no, I have this crisis of conscience, this person is asking me to do something. I think she said something. If we made it, it, she did say, if we told her it was your idea, then it would be fine. And Ashley's like, eh, sorry, I can't do that. I'm a Christian. Okay, so it's not like... Or something like that. It's not like a scene transition before they actually talk about it later, No, no, because the Oasis version was less concerned with cliffhanger scene transitions because oh, it okay. like it's a full story there's not like it only it, i think it only was split into two parts on the oasis cd and that's just because there's only so much room on a cd sure 
I don't remember if that version was made for radio even. It was. Because... It aired on the radio after Gilead did in 2009 from what I, or like before season 12 or something like that. That's from what I heard. It, it did air on the radio. Oasis aired on the radio I'm pretty sure after o- Down Gilead Lane? I, I think during Down Gilead Lane, during the end. Oh, that's what interesting. I that's what I heard. And also, cliffhangers aren't terrible. Um, and that's I don't think that's even what you're saying here. But I think this specific cliffhanger, that's not useful. To have a cliffhanger in the middle of the episode is not helpful. To have the cliffhanger at the end of this episode, yes, that's very helpful. Uh, that's very Great. I love that. But right. Well, like a cliffhanger, in my opinion, I don't love cliffhangers. I understand why they have to exist because they they are a very convenient way to increase audience retention. (laughs) Aside from that, though, I feel like a cliffhanger needs to have meaning. It it needs to be a meaningful cliffhanger. I uh, one of my favorite books growing up, but I quickly got very tired of them because they were annoying <laughs> were the Hardy Boys books. Mm-hmm. And that's because they have cliffhangers at basically the end of every chapter, every other chapter. And some of them are just dumb. Like there was one where they were stranded in the desert and it was okay because they had a guide with them and he was like, look, I've got my pocket knife. I can cut off the top of this cactus and there's water. We, that's fine. And then they had their friend Chet with them, and he cut off the top of a cactus and started drinking water. And the guy was like, no, Chet, that one's poisonous. And that was the end of the chapter. (laughs) And then the next chapter, it starts, and he's like, what? It's poison? I'm going to die? And he's like, oh, no, I was mistaken. That one's not poisonous. So I'm going to make a magic school bus reference. Longtime listeners to Ryan and Ryan's in my podcast will know what reference I'm about to make. There's a, a scene. I don't even know what reference you're about to make. Well, there's a scene where one of the girls, I forget what her name is, there everyone's exploring a bathroom and they're like shrunk down and she they're walking on like the toilet seat and she slips and almost falls inside. She's just left hanging on the <laughs> toilet seat like help and the cartoon fades out, fades to black. And then the next scene comes back in and she's immediately grabbed and pulled up onto the toilet seat and everything's fine. So, I even as a kid, I was like that was cheap, but and I think we even got that in episode between episodes two and three with Dylan. Where's Dylan? He's asleep on the ping pong machine. Okay. Right. That's not useful. But also, I'm going to – so I've got a friend. Uh, her name is Casey Wisenant, and she wrote a book called Coded. It's in very, very limited publication, and I don't even know if you can get it. But her book was one that like she was talking about in speech and debate. Like, yeah, I, I wrote this book, and I got it published. Uh, I don't know if it's a great book or not. I read it a long time ago, and it's, it's rough. But the cliffhanger is, at the end of this story, the characters have gone through this journey, gone through this arc, and something terrible has just happened. And based on the events that happen, and then the final line is a character who is now missing meets up with another character, and there's this line of dialogue that's like, wait, what? That's the relation between these two characters? That's crazy. But it's very much so that the next book wouldn't pick up immediately where that one left off, because these characters need some time to recover from this thing that just happened, and this other character who said this line of dialogue, there's nothing immediately going to happen to him. I like that kind of cliffhanger because of that that's the ending of the story. Another example, right. I'll make an alternate Rydell reference here. 
our version of The Final Problem Part 1 has a cliffhanger of the characters are at their lowest point. It looks like everything is lost. And you can jump from there to the next episode immediately if you want. But you can also just let it sit for a little while and say, okay, that's the end of the story. They've gone through this. They've gone on this journey, this quest they were going to do. Okay, everything failed. Where do you go from here? And the next episode picks up with a new introduction of, okay, here, here's what the stakes are for this new re- reimagined story. It's still the same story, but it's just different stakes now. And so with the, the Dylan thing, that's clearly not a different story or different stakes. It's just that. And with the ending of this, it is a different story and different stakes that we're going to get next time, but part of a, an ongoing narrative, an ongoing arc. And that's all I really have to say about cliffhangers. I'll let you jump back in. Yeah, a good cliffhanger tells the audience that there's something they weren't expecting and there's more information to the story and generally compels them to want to learn more about it. A bad cliffhanger says, "Uh uh-oh, will your character that you love be okay? And then says, yes, (laughs) in the next episode. (laughs) <laughs> and that's what I think a lot of the cliffhangers in this series, or yeah. this this uh, iteration of Red Rock have been. And I'm not going to say that those don't exist in the other one, but if they do, I don't notice them because it's not presented, at least on the CD, as an episodic thing. So I'll say I don't, I wouldn't count this as a spoiler because it just follows our discussion on good cliffhangers. You confirming that Sam killed their dad. Or at least confirming that that's what was said I in this said, episode. I said, yep, because he says the same thing in Oasis. Okay, but I don't know if he's lying. I have no way to tell if the beginning of Stolen Secrets is them going, what? And him saying, no, nah, I was just kidding. I actually killed the president of the United States. Ha ha. And <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I really have no idea what comes next, but I'm inclined to believe it because I think I trust an ending of a book cliffhanger more than the middle of the thing. Because sure. was the Dylan thing, um, there wouldn't have been a cliffhanger with the Dylan thing, right? Because that's the middle of the story. No. Okay, yeah. So I don't, I don't know here. The Dylan thing really bothered me as far as future cliffhangers go. And I think I said last episode, I'm not going to trust this series as far as cliffhangers go in the future. This is a legit cliffhanger, though. Thank you. In which case, what? Uh, and I will gladly chalk this up to... I am legitimately excited about this, and nice job on the cliffhanger. I want to keep listening, mm-hmm. and I know this and like this series has more to hide and more to reveal than I thought it did. So, great. I'm happy about that. And also, that final line, how do you get the new illustrations of this book series from that final line and from that final scene? That's intense. He's got a gun. He's going to shoot you. He ran you off the road. You're... Your stepdad killed your father, and you get cartoons, croutons, as your illustration of the new thing? Really? Hold up. I need to see this. I don't know if I've seen this. Oh, what? <laughs> Why? Yeah. Oh, wait, no. That's that's not croutons. That's the Vug. That's the what? Cartoons. Oh, oh I see. <laughs> yeah, see, I've been calling and you're the saying ping- there were croutons in the image. <laughs> I've been calling it the ping pong machine, and you know, so yeah. Oh, yeah. For reference, the bottom of the cover has like two <laughs> images. One is the gold nugget, and another is the digital camera. Both of which would have been spoilers for this series. So yay, glad I didn't see that. But also, yeah, they look like croutons. <laughs> Actually, they look like dumplings. So I'm kind of hungry now. But yeah, I agree. Like these. 
these images. Bryce just kind of looks like. Ugh. It sort of looks he like looks they're like trying Gollum. to <laughs> emulate Odyssey a bit, uh, maybe. Well, here's the thing: the book, new book covers weren't meant to imitate an audio drama necessarily. I know, but that's sort of what it looks like. It looks like they took Odyssey characters and illustrated them worse. Yeah, you know, like that that elongated face kind of thing. Yeah, I guess it's only recently with the. Connie, will you... I mean, I can't say recently because it was a couple months ago. <laughs> it's only the... I'll try that again. It's only... You know, I'm uh, I'm keeping that in. This, this facade Connie, is... will you... <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking so, about. So, okay, for reference, you said Connie, will you, and I'm looking at Bryce's face <laughs> and imagining him saying, Connie, will you marry me? Any graphic designers out there, problems. can you put Bryce's face on top of Nick Grant saying, <laughs> <laughs> No. Anyway, oh. I'm so sorry you all can't partake in this uh, glorious whatever Go to this the is. website. We'll have the images no, in the won't. post. No, we will I'm not putting them on returntogilead.com. Go one to thing the you Facebook okay. post for this. Yeah. We'll put them in the comments. No. Uh, I mean, you could do that. If there is a Facebook post for this, I don't usually do. Let me see. Michael Go didn't to do our Instagram for... story. We'll have it there for the next 24 hours. I, I think Michael will do that. I mean, past Michael can do whatever he wants. I can't force him to do anything. So, you know, that's how that works. <gasps> that's true. We can't make ourselves do things in the past. Okay, wait like a year and then maybe remind me and I'll <laughs> post them. <laughs> I feel like they overshot the audience. Like, getting a Gary Locke art style isn't itself a bad idea for Red Rock. Because updating it from the early 2000s feel, I can understand why you'd want to do that. It's like Odyssey rebranding the old albums. I think album 28 looks a lot better now in the new Gary Lo- in the Gary Lockhart style than it did before. The old one might be nostalgic, but it was just dark. It was eh, unclear. New one is bright, colorful, explains it well, and still gets across the points that the old one did. So I can understand that. With this, this, this should be really... The conversation for next week, but you know, you guys are getting this now. It's a Sunday special. It's it's special. We're special. Can we get back to the episode? Yes. Okay. So first two scenes. Talking from a, a thematic standpoint, first two scenes really set up Bryce and Ashley as sympathetic characters. I was saying this first review, what do I have to make me feel for Bryce and Ashley? Now that we've been through this journey of this adventure, I like them. I really like him. I still can't yeah. forgive him for what they did to Lee in the first episode, but I, I do I do appreciate them as, as characters. What did they do to Lee? They picked on her for uh, liking, what was it, Randy. And oh, right. For, for no reason that we could see. Just, yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about that in the future eventually, sometime probably, if it comes up in the first five books. But anyway, here... We've seen Bryce and Ashley protect their younger brother, work to uphold the law. They stand up to Boo. Ashley does the right thing. She's been feeling bad about it. So she does the straightforward thing and tells her mom about it. And then she enacts Mm -hmm. that, does the brave thing and tells Haley about Jesus and then has the courage to share her faith with her, her personal faith and say, I want to mentor you in like maybe a Bible study or, or something to help you figure out what your faith is. That's great. And it's something that it it shows not necessarily that she's changed from the trip, but that this was always something that she could do. This was always something that she had the potential to act this way. We just didn't get to see it because we were interrupted in the middle by this trip. And I don't know how I feel about that, having the bookends of being at home. It's okay. 
But I think it though those stories could have been a lot more powerful if we understood well, I don't know. Because we did get bits of them. Like Ashley was kind of feeling bad about the movie in the second episode and Bryce is thinking it's Boo in episode two and three, and then Sam calls Boo in episode three. I guess we get, did get bits of it, and I just feel like the execution in the first episode could have been better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And here's a wild idea. If you wanted to adapt this story to a format that follows up on Down Gilead Lane and Beyond Gilead, here's a wild idea would be to take these personal issues that are going on and then make them their own episodes where you introduce new, fresh plot lines and then you put the mystery episodes in one-off or two-off episodes and condense them. So, for example, the reason that this takes four episodes to tell is because we have a lot of filler. We've got scenes where we go out to eat and croutons, cartoons, all that goes down. We've mm. got scenes where we're skiing, scenes where we're, we're like doing all this stuff. And so we're trying to blend vacation with mystery, with interpersonal drama, and not just one, it, like we're dealing with Bryce's thing with Boo, we're dealing with Ashley's thing with her friend, we're dealing with whatever mystery Sam's got going. We've got, and and even just like breaking down walls to see why he's kind of closed off about his faith and all of that. Mm-hmm. We've got so much going on and that's not bad, but if you're going to make this series episodic, I feel like it might be more efficient to have one episode where Ashley has the issue where she runs in with, this movie thing and then doesn't know what to do about it. Well, maybe in the meantime, maybe the B plot of that episode could also be boo. You think? No. Oh, absolutely not. No. I okay. think All if right. I were doing that, I would make the B plot be something completely fresh. So like if we're, oh. we're going to have a conversation about how do you not give in to sort of peer pressure? Cause I think boo's thing is not peer pressure. Boo's thing is intimidation. So, I would have one episode about how to deal with bullies, but another episode about how to deal with peer pressure slash like trying not to look like a like a fuddy duddy in front of your friends. And the B plot of that maybe is something to do with the older sister or something to do with Bryce, whatever. It would be something uh, tangential to that generic theme, but I would have far more scenes focused on that specific concern. So maybe a first scene where she's talking about how she wants to make a good impression with this girl and she really likes her. She's a great friend. Another scene maybe where someone uh, tells Ashley that she's far too strict on so many things and it makes her lame. And so that sets up for the mistake in the moment of trying not to be lame, trying not to be unimpressive towards this girl and making the mistake that she does. And then we, by then we've already got half an episode and then we can go from there and have that final scene, maybe have a few, a few other scenes where we see the fallout on one person's, like maybe we get to see how the other girl's mother reacts to everything that went down 
and maybe we even get to know the other girl even more. Like there's a there's a whole world of Red Rock that I feel you could expand on in a way that is more entertaining than the adaption that just kind of breaks everything up into smaller pieces. Huh. But that's just me dreaming. Yeah, I get that. I haven't seen the full world of Red Rock and I'm going to I'll compare this to Left Behind the Kids, which we've alluded to before. We said mm-hmm. that Chris Fabry adapted those episodes with Darby Kern for the first 12 books and then drank Mountain Dew and did the rest of the series. So the first, <laughs> but that's an accurate way to describe it, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> and he didn't stop drinking Mountain Dew until he finished the series. Unfortunately, blame Tyndale for that one. No, seriously, blame so Tyndale. No. So the first they twelve made, kids they made books. One of, yeah, the first twelve. So the first twelve left behind books, uh, or kids books, kids books. I I heard the first. I read through the first four books and then listened to the first audio drama, which I own on CD. Super happy to have a copy of those. They were expensive. I read through the next four. Listened to the audio drama. Read through the next four. Listen to the audio drama. At that point, I was like, this is great. This audio drama is way more in-depth than the books are. They're a lot more engaging than, like, the prequel was to Left Behind, The the Rising. I liked the production quality of the kids sure. series a lot more than, than that one. And there are songs in the kids series. It's great. It's, it's, it's one-for-one and more like it gets everything from the books and more into the audio drama. I think I thought this is great. I'm really getting to know these characters. I feel like this is an even more immersive world, almost maybe, maybe about the same level of immersion as the main left behind series. And then we get to book 13, the, the fourth audio drama book, I guess. And everything goes directly downhill because at that point, Tyndale's like, we don't have a budget to finish this in the pace that you're going. Please speed up. And so Darby Kern's like, oh, we got to finish this in three instead of seven. Um, go, 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 go. All right, let's go. And so I'm like, okay, I know you had to do that, but you lost so much by rushing it. But I saw the potential of what they could do. One thing that the books, that the audio drama did spectacularly was it took all of the events and the plot points that happened in the books, made them so that when I read through them the first time, I, d- I couldn't really understand what was happening. I, some of it was kind of fuzzy. And then the audio drama takes it and puts it in a package that anybody can understand because it's so immersive. And then it takes time to just slow down and think about it. There's there are scenes with what's her name? I, I am terrible. The the older girl. Remember her name? Uh Vicky. Vicky Byrne. Vicky. Se- yep. Scenes with scenes with Vicky and um uh, some stuff around the, the holidays, like around Christmas. And I don't remember that being a one for one with the book, but I love how it takes time to flesh out the relationships between these characters and their emotions in something that's good to listen to and also something that doesn't have any narration. There are a couple songs that are uh, non-diegetic, but besides that, it's, I think, an excellent adaptation of the book because it doesn't use the narration. And the question I have is that even though Oasis did it with narration, going back to Red Rock, even though Oasis did it with narration, I think Keys for Kids had the potential to be really, really good as a faithful adaptation without narration. Because as an audio drama writer, you need to be super creative when it comes to that. Like, how do you include narration and what do you do with it? And Chris Fabry's more than capable of it. He did it for 144 episodes of the adult series and then as a co-writer of the kids series. 
I will say, though, yes, the difference, I believe, between Left Behind and Red Rock is that Red Rock is written like a diary or journal entry. Left mm. Behind is not. Okay. Left Behind is a descriptive, like, I- I'm pretty sure it's written. It's third person. <sighs> yeah, third person. Yeah. Uh, whereas Red Rock is written... Oh, I don't remember if it's third or first person, but there's it. You know how there's a difference. Like sometimes when even if it's written in third person, it can be written in such a way that it still sounds very first persony. Like there's this person went and did this thing, and then this person did this thing because they thought this. Yeah, yeah. And then there's first person present, which is coded with the book I was talking about earlier. <laughs> right. That's another reason why I was this, like, "What are you talking about?" But yes. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So this series. I don't remember. That's okay. I'll read it I don't soon remember. I'm sorry. We'll, I don't remember we'll, whether it's first or third person, no, 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 but we'll, whichever we'll, one it is, yeah. it's written in such a way that it definitely feels like it's first person. We will get to this next week. We'll definitely get to this. So uh, it would definitely be, I think, a little bit more difficult. Like, I'm sure it's possible, but I think it's difficult to make an audio drama that fits the vibe of the book. Like, it can Without still narration. be good, but it'll it'll be very different just based on the fact that we're not hearing their internal monologue. It's like Harry Potter. Yeah, something that this audio drama did that was interesting was we had scenes from the POV of the deputy. Does that happen in the book? Pretty sure new. Okay. Yeah, that's different. You can't have that when you're in first person unless you break for a second and have another first person narrative that's from this mystery character or from another character. Mm -hmm. You can, but it's difficult. You can do almost anything in writing, but it just doesn't work or not, is the question. Speaking of things that worked or not, can I transition to a couple things that I don't feel landed in this episode? Yes. So both of these come from the first two scenes. The first scene is that Bryce asks Sam straight up, I love the open communication in this episode. He asks, Mm -hmm. why didn't you want us to be in the interview? And Sam goes, well, that's something I can tell you later, another time. But for now... For the same reason, I don't want you telling anyone at school. And Bryce goes, what? Why, why not? Don't you understand? If th- like this thing is really, really important to me, like, of course, I'm going to want to tell other people. I know this isn't easy. It's but not you ha- easy because it makes no sense. Think about when you were a kid. Do you ever have anything like this happen? No, not like you guys experienced yesterday. How would you like to have to be quiet about it? It's like, Bryce, you're psychoanalyzing yourself. If you really understand the reason why you want to tell everyone or that it's going to be hard not to tell everyone, then I feel like you would also have the self-restraint to know that you shouldn't tell everyone if you're analyzing it that well. Maybe that was just the way it came across in the adaptation and the directing, but I I feel like if Bryce is self-aware enough to know the reason why he wants to tell everyone, he also should be able to say in that moment, like, yeah, I get it. I, I don't... I don't want to, but I understand what you're talking about. Rather than saying, yeah, I'm upset, and I'll explain to you exactly the reason why I'm upset and why you are not upset about this, you know? Hey, son, don't touch that cactus. (laughs) (laughs) You're dead to me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you understand? I really want to touch that cactus. (laughs) Hey, Bryce, play that one about not telling people about what happened. Sure thing, Jolly. (laughs) I love it. <laughs> oh, great. This, is, this episode has just evolved into Asda references. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, the, so the the next thing is with Haley or with Ashley talking to her mom about what happened with Haley. Something that stood out to me as a little bit, eh, maybe this was just the adaptation again, is she says, Haley probably thinks I'm a hypocrite. 
but you just explained how she pressured you into doing it and she didn't listen to you trying to explain your mom's rule. Like I went back and listened to that clip from the first episode and what she says is my mom and I have this agreement about movies and then Haley cuts her off saying, nah, we're going to watch it anyway. So she didn't even get out. My mom and I have this agreement that I check with her whenever I watch a movie, which is added information in this episode. But Ashley saying Haley probably thinks I'm a hypocrite. Would she really? She probably just didn't even understand what was going on. It probably wouldn't be that after that thing, Haley's like, huh, Ashley let me force her watch a movie. What a hypocrite. <laughs> I don't feel like that's actually how she would think, given the immediate context of Ashley saying she forced me to watch it or she pressured me. That into makes sense. It. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that, a very good take. Right. So that's about it. Apart from Duncan's acting and some little bits here and there. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode as a non-narration Keys for Kids adaptation of the Red Rock book. And I'm still not seeing this as a continuation of Down Gilead Lane, even though we did have that bridge episode. I think the bridge episode was yeah, no. enough for me to say It's a very that, different thing. Yeah. Not a continuation of Down Gilead Lane even, but a continuation of the fact that they're doing audio dramas and that Zach is here. It's a nice tie-in, that initial episode, but it's definitely not the same. So- No. With it not being the same, I'm okay with that. And I'd like to see going forward if the acting quality picks up. And newsflash, Chris Fabry wrote the adaptation for Oasis for the second book, but John Fornoff wrote the adaptation for the second book, of like the, the Keys for Kids adaptation. So, Wait, what? Yeah, John Fornoff wrote Stolen Secrets for Keys for Kids. Oh, well, I look forward to seeing what that's going to be like. Yeah, because if this version was almost word for word with Oasis... I wonder what John Fornoff's spin on it would be. Like, did he just take Chris Fabry's script and rewrite that? Or did he take the books and ad- adapt those? Because Chris Fabry would have access to his own work. But I don't know if so John So then Fornoff here's the would. question. Yeah. Should one of us listen? Because I've only ever see- listened to the first Oasis version. Oh, I've not oh, heard okay. Stolen Secrets on audio. So should one of us listen to the Oasis version and then the other doesn't? So that we can continue this two-pronged approach? I feel like it'd be best if you did, if you listened to the What Oasis if you version. did? No. We could popcorn back and forth. No. Okay, like, then I, I, I listen to Keys for Kids as well as Oasis? Well, you'll listen to Oasis first, and then you'll listen to Keys for Kids. You, then that way you get the same experience I did going uh, into this first album. I guess. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. I, I'll listen to it. Yeah, I, as much as that would be fun, I feel like getting your reaction would also be fun. So, yeah. Anyway. That said... Then we'll continue this. I'll listen to the Oasis version of the second book, album, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And you all all can continue listening every Sunday, or some Sundays, however we're going to do this. Well, hopefully it'll be every Sunday. I'm still not burned out at this point in recording these uh, in the far future. Um, Still not sure what I'm going to do for a summer job, but, you know, (laughs) it's not like it's... Eh, anyway. This. You're going to do this. Go to returntogilead.com is the summer job? Is that what this is? Are you? Is that your segue? Or No, I was going to say make a Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. Anyway, how about oh, okay. we wrap this thing up? Sure. Uh, I think this all has been a very yeah. interesting experience, mm-hmm. and I look forward to seeing what the next few episodes show. Yeah, we, we didn't really talk about the whole plot. I think I, I should mention this first off. The, like Again, everything I predicted was right with the exception mm-hmm. that the owner was actually the one behind it and he was trying to get it on a, an insurance uh, thing. So yeah, we don't even have to talk about the plot because I was right. 
And, and it was they, an interesting uh, enough plot. Yeah, I I think that this this plan of listening to these one episode at a time was great because I was able to predict that. And like yeah. not not to again, I don't I don't want to be bragging here necessarily, but I think this has made like this has made for a really enjoyable experience for me to be able to have this one at a time and it's been exciting sure i i had a couple reactions in there i probably spliced them in throughout it if i didn't here's one of my reactions the guy mom the guy in the video the one who worked with the store owner to steal the gold yeah i know that you and the other guy who ran us sheriff said the video you were taking was when the deputy was making the switch he was the guy in the baseball cap (laughs) i'm so sorry ashley oh bryce what's up what's up you have to believe me. What happened? About what? Yeah. What are you sorry for? For killing your father. No! No! Yeah, that. But uh, <laughs> that was, It's it's been a super fun experience to see, like, not knowing what would happen and getting that first time reaction. I always love those. So, mm-hmm. all that said, we don't really have a, a way to get in contact with us on uh, the Sunday special. It's just a normal return to Gilead.com, unless there's a new Red Rock re- return to Gilead Sunday special.com or something, which there isn't at this at this point. I don't know how timey wimey stuff works right now with creating domain names, but we do well, have. Well, because some... we're sending this into the past, they just go to return to Gilead.com because that's what we have in the past. You know what? Yeah, you're right. I guess so. We do have some feedback. For the Sunday special, though. Oh, really? Yeah. This is from Michael C., who I think was previously known as Michael J. on the podcast. I think he sent in feedback. He was one of the first ones to send in an actual voice message to Return to Gilead, from what I remember. And he says, I have heard all of the Red Rock Mysteries adaptations by Keys for Kids and am enjoying your reviews of them. Never listened to Oasis' adaptation until you talked about it. Now listen to Oasis' adaptation of Red Rock Stolen Secrets and Haunted Waters. Probably like Keys for Kids better because I listened to them first. Keep up the insightful reviews and great interviews. Michael. Oh, thanks, Michael. I really appreciate that. And that's really interesting. Like, I I can imagine in another world where Ryan listened to the Keys for Kids version first, uh, probably liking that better. Maybe it's like, I I do look forward to listening to Oasis again because I want to see how much of it is nostalgia and how much of it is, no, no, I think this was actually handled better. Mm -hmm. And coming from me... I'm in the same boat, haven't listened to Oasis, and I'll be listening to it second, so I'll legitimately be able to see, do I think it's better? Do I not? Do I side with the majority or side with Michael? Well, maybe I will side with Michael because, you know, Michael's think alike, apparently. Maybe. Who knows? Anyway, (laughs) with that said... I'm Ryan. And I'm Michael. Thanks so much for joining us, and we hope you'll join us next time for our reviewing of Oasis and the book, which will also be a Red Rock Mystery. Mystery.